Hey guys, this is Din. And this is Rish. And welcome to Z Talk, the Zelda Dungeon Christmas podcast. Uh, we're beaming directly to your ears from the Zelda Dungeon Christmas party. Hosted at Mossy's house. Yeah, he gave us a semi-quiet little corner to work in this time. We're starting a little early. Not everybody's here yet, which is a good thing, so... If you hear people in the background, that's what's going on. But we have an entirely Christmas-themed podcast for you and full length to boot. And it's chocked full of goodies, so we should get right to them. We will. We'll move on to our first Christmas segment. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, 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 ho. Hey, guys, this is Rish, and this is Rish's Rant, where I... Make my complaints known about different things. So today, I want to talk to you guys about the difference between a really good game coming out late and a really bad game coming out right on time. Because it's Christmas time and everybody wants their games right now. The problem with that is, is sometimes game developers, they're trying to get a really good game out to you. And they're trying to do it right the first time, so that they aren't constantly updating it. The problem is, sometimes that means they won't have it out by Christmas. You want it for Christmas. You want Santa to bring it to you. You want mom or dad to buy it for you. You just want to use your Christmas money to buy it. problem is, it's not there to buy. And the thing is, though, is sometimes gamers... We all have to stop and think, you know what, I'd rather have that really good game, so I'm just going to have to wait. It hurts, it makes me sad, it makes me really complain, but you know what, just wait. Game developers, I know you guys work hard at this stuff, you want it to be out by Christmas, because hey, you're going to make a ton of money if you have it out at Christmas, but sometimes that's just not possible. So you know what? You have to do your job right. Let's not have an Xbox 360 fiasco where they rushed it out, got it out by Christmas, and then guess what? Half of the first generation Xboxes just exploded in like the first week of use. Is that a good business model? No, it's not. But you know what is a good business model? Selling quality games. That's something that I can say that some game developers, they really pride themselves at doing it. For example, Valve, they work really hard. Half-Life 1, Half-Life 2, they came out, they were fantastic. You know what, Nintendo, they turn around. Skyward Sword, did it come out when it needed to come out to make the maximum money? Probably not. Did it come out when the game was done? Yes, it did. It came out when they had everything done right, so that there were very few bugs in the game, and so that the game was enjoyable to play. Because you know what? If it came out right when they would make the most money, we would probably dislike the game. Not hate, because it's Zelda, so we'd like it even if it was garbage. But we wouldn't like it nearly as much, because there'd be bugs all over the place. Not the bugs that you want to catch to upgrade your equipment, but all the other bugs that just make the game suck. So you know what, guys? I'm Rish, that's my rant, and I'm done. Hey everyone, this is Din, 
and I am here at the Zelda Ninja Christmas party, as you know, and I've decided I am going to spring community question of the month on everybody. Well, everybody that I can find in the next few minutes, anyway. And, um, I'm going to make the question this time. The question simply is, what do you want for Christmas? I'm doing this for a couple of reasons. One, because it's a fun Christmas podcast and it's a Christmas question, but also because I haven't done all my Christmas shopping yet and I gotta get on that and I'm needing some ideas for some people that I have no idea what to buy them. So, let's just go ask them. Sounds like a good idea, don't you? Okay, let's go see who we can find. I see Majora's Cat, Beaker, and Allie over there. Hey guys, how are you doing? What do you want for Christmas? Well, um, 
Well, I'm kind of hoping that uh, for Christmas I can have a, a new Zelda game. You know, like I've heard there's one coming out for the 3DS. Yes, hopefully. Yeah. And how about you, Anime Bassoon? I want my college education paid for in advance. <laughs> <laughs> college is expensive. That might not be one we can do for you. <laughs> Everyone chips in five dollars, I should be good. Everyone on the site? Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much. Um, you got two non-practical gifts to add to the list of non-practical gifts I'm getting answers for. <laughs> well, thank you very much, guys, and enjoy the rest of the party. Uh, okay, see ya. See ya, Dan. Bye. Well, we got some practical answers there that I could find in a shopping mall, and a few that I guess I'm a little bit SOL on in trying to buy, seeing as how they're not available yet, and I can't really uh, pay for tuition for somebody else as well. But, you know, hey, I mean, it's worth asking for if that's really what you want for Christmas. What do I want for Christmas? I'd love to have the Twilight Princess first four figures Wolf Link and Midna statue. So if anyone wants to fork over the $400 to buy me the gift that I'd want, that would be wonderful and I would love you forever. But anyways guys, I want to know what your answer to the community question of the month is. What do you want for Christmas? Be sure to tell me in the comments below and I'll see what I can do, alright? Anyway, I'm going to get back to the party and I'm going to go check in on Rish and we're going to move to our next segment. Wow! Hey, um, Din. Yeah? What's the deal with the, uh, Rudolph nose over there? <laughs> oh, oh, good! Actually, that, that means that Axel's finally ready to broadcast, and he can finally get to the Christmas party after he does his segment. Okay, uh, let's hit the button and hear what he has to say. Okay, we're going to Axel the Beast live on location. <laughs> Hey, can you, can you hear me? Am I coming in right? Alright, I think, I think this is working now. Hey there guys, I'm Axel Beast and this is The Wandering Beast, where I travel around talking about hopefully interesting Zelda topics. I'm in the middle of a blizzard right now. Uh, I'm in, I'm in Snow Peak, trying to climb up the mountain sign. See, I heard the Zelda Dungeon Christmas party is in Snow Peak ruins, or at least... That's where it was last I heard. I heard the rumor that they were moving it, but I never got a notice, so, you know, I figured they still gotta be up there. I'm sure everything will be fine. Alright, so, what I want to talk about is Christmas themes in Zelda. You might remember a while ago for Halloween, I did Halloween themes in Zelda, discussing briefly what I thought Nintendo could, uh, could do to put some of the themes you traditionally see for that holiday put into a Zelda game, maybe for a spooky area or for something similar. Uh, on, on my way to Snow Peak, I realized I could do something similar for Christmas, and well, here we are. The thing about the Christmas themes, though, is I, I don't necessarily think they fit extremely well in the Zelda series. Not the style itself, like with white and red and green and pine trees and Santas and whatnot. To be fair, that might be because I'm not crazy about them in general. You want me to talk about Halloween, I can tell you all about how much I love the decorations and the style, but with Christmas, I'm not all that crazy about it, so I might not be objective there. Ugh. <laughs> Sorry, I fell in the... I fell in the snow. You know, 
Uh, alright, I think some of them could work in Zelda. Not so much the specific decoration styles, but some of the idea, and admittedly that's true of the Halloween themes too. The idea of having bright colors in bright regions, like Christmas lights and bright reds in the white snow, is similar to, ha to the other regions of the Zelda series, like Farron Woods and Skyward Sword, or lots of areas in the Wind Waker. Take the snow, cover it in a festive appearance for a happy snow settlement or something, or perhaps mysterious glowing or glittering on the walls of a mysterious temple in the snow with pine trees around. These could make for some intriguing Zelda settings, and they're, they're pretty Christmassy. Moreover, though, I think Zelda could benefit from two other themes we, he we uh, think about a lot when considering Christmas. Well, not really benefit, necessarily. Both already appear in Zelda, at least on occasion. I'm talking about Christmas cheer and winter itself. Christmas cheer shows up in Zelda often. You have characters who seem happy all the time, you have peaceful towns and villages, and you have goodwill themes and helping people who need it. It would be in interesting to see them more like actual Christmas, though. Perhaps in more a very cheerful village, or maybe even in a dangerous area like, like a blizzardy mountain. And their cheer is how they get through their harsh life or something, you know, just an idea. Or maybe vaguely in the style of Santa Claus, but obviously highly original, and doesn't need to be in a wintry area, you could have a benefactor character who you have to help, possibly against some foe or nemesis. Zelda's always had these area stories, little subplots contained within specific regions or towns. Something like this would work well for them, and I think could, I think could be made uniquely Zelda. I think Zelda should be expanding the world characters and sub-stories a lot anyway, though that's a discussion for another day. <laughs> Anyway, uh, then there's winter themes. Now, I actually discussed these before in my video from oh, near, nearly two years ago. Uh, desolation and winter in Zelda. In that video, I went over a few things, but particularly winters and ice areas potential for very lonely, dark, desolate themes. I still think these kinds of things would be really cool to see in the Zelda series, and interestingly, they would work very nice with the idea for the cheery village in a harsh winter region. But the whole desolation thing isn't necessarily very Christmassy. It fits winter to be sure, but not really Christmas specifically. If you want Christmas themes in a winter region, it's not so much the desolation that you should pull out of it, but the wonder and whimsy of it, which, as I've said before, are core aspects of the series, wonder and whimsy. Not that I'm, you know, feeling that wonderful and whimsical right now. Nintendo should probably avoid friggin' blizzards if they want to make it whimsical. <sighs> anyway. I brought up the colors and lights. You can take those to pull some easy beauty out of winter. Have lights reflect off the snow, color and glow amongst the white, etc. This would also capture Christmas's u unusual spin-off winter, which is to have a warmth in a winter area. Christmas colors, lights, and decorations give a sense of warmth, even if it's you know physically still co very cold. Uh, and that would be another Christmas-like direction the Zelda games could take with their winter areas. There's a million ways this could be done in a Zelda game, and it would fit with what I've talked about a few times in the past in coming up with new ideas for areas to diversify the scenery and areas, and to make those uh, areas more unusual and multi-layered. But beyond the visual themes of winter, there's the gameplay. I think that a wintry landscape, uh, I think that a wintry landscape is extremely conducive to the sense of exploration that I always say is, or at least should be, uh, at the core of the Zelda series. Um, and uh, to think back to the original Legend of Zelda, where caves and even dungeons were hidden in plain sight, but had to be revealed with the right item, with little or no hints on where to find it, 
Now think of what happens when the snow falls, covering everything else. You can approach a snowy area with almost the same gameplay ideas. Now, not that I'm suggesting we make secrets and dungeons as hard to find as they were in the original Legend of Zelda or anything, but the same concept could be explored again, just make it less difficult to figure out where the hidden stuff is and give the player the means to find out where it's hidden, and snow would be one of the best settings to do this with. It also expands on the danger of things. As I said, wintry regions can be explored as frightening areas, and even without the desolation, you can make them dangerous. Zelda is filled with wilderness and with dangerous creatures, but with snowy woods and mountainsides, you could do this even more. Enemies who appear out of the snow or are just resilient to survive in the Arctic, well, not Arctic, but, you know, cold region. This might not be as strong of a point, but I also think it's a good excuse to explore caves again in a major way. If you did have a blizzardly region, a blizzardy region, or just steep, ice-covered mountainsides with possibly a lack of an actual way up, you have a really sweet excuse to do what A Link to the Past did, which is to have the entrance to the mountain peak be a series of caves, and to have a network of caves within. This would be fascinating in a Zelda area, and could be made exceedingly Christmas-like, uh, by making the walls of the cave sparkle bright colors due to some kind of mineral or crystal, and would capture the feeling of warmth, which, you know, I wish I had right now. That would be awesome. Uh, Christmas themes, ignoring the actual significance of the holiday, are basically winter and snow and ice, but with wonder, whimsy, beauty, warmth, cheer, and goodwill. Uh, these are all natural fits for the Zelda series, and as a result, would work extremely well in a game. Hilariously, I wasn't very sold until I started going on about this, but having put a lot of thought into it and bringing up all these points, you know, I'd really, really, really like to see an area like the- Ugh! Oh, come on! I keep falling down, slipping on the ice, and getting my face buried in the snow. I'm sick of this! Huh? Uh, that doesn't sound- Oh, oh, crap! No! No! Ah! Axel, every time. I don't know that you should do location anymore. You get attacked every single time. Well, you, you know what it is. He doesn't have the Master Sword. We need a two-way transmitter. He can't hear us. And he's lost. Didn't you tell him? I told well, you to tell him. No, I thought you were going to tell him. What, that the party was moved to Mossy's house? Yeah. No, I told you to tell him. No, you didn't. Hey, Mossy's. Did you tell Axel we moved the party? Oh, no. Okay, then. He'll uh, figure it out. He'll figure it out? How is he supposed to figure it out? We're on the opposite side of Hyrule. He'll figure it out. <sighs> Elves, eh? Hey guys, this is Din's Info Inferno. I haven't done one of these segments in a really long time, and I obviously need to uh, get back on that. So, here I am for the Christmas podcast, and I have a topic that is not very close to anybody's heart, but a little lower, closer to the tummy region. So, the question here is, what's your favorite thing about Christmas time? Well, the number one answer that you usually get from kids is presents. And the sappy answer you usually get from moms that does come from the heart is 
friends and family, spending time, getting to see everybody, and having quality family time. But the biggest answer, the one I'm talking about, usually comes from the stomachs of dads, brothers, uncles, and cousins. Food! Christmas dinner is great for friends and family, but if you grew up in a family like mine, where the women of the house cook for two days to be ready for Christmas dinner, food becomes one of the best things about Christmas. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Turkey, or maybe ham, maybe both? Steaming mashed potatoes drizzled with hot gravy, stuffing, cranberry jelly, creamed corn, sautéed peas, scallops, or maybe your family does seafood or even pork tenderloin. And oh, the desserts. Candy, cakes, cookies, and creams. Cherry cakes in my house. Gingerbread men, gingerbread houses, sugar cookies smothered with icing and sprinkles. Chocolate brownies, candy canes, peanut brittle, plum pudding, bread pudding, lemon tarts, and so much more. Am I making your mouth water and your stomach rumble yet? (laughs) I thought so. So my question to you is, you food-loving Zelda-playing Christmas listeners, who from the Zelda series would make the best Christmas feast? There's quite a few out there that I thought of, and I have a few ideas. First off, Grandma from The Wind Waker. Grandma's cooking in my house was always the best, so I figure it has to have something to do with being a grandma. Lincoln Arrow's grandmother would be no exception. She makes pretty good elixir soup, I'd like to see her try to make something else. How about Pergie from Twilight Princess? She's constantly washing dishes. I would think that would mean she's put food on them for those two boys of hers. I personally think it would be a full-time job to feed Mallow and Tallow. Practice makes perfect, you know. And another lady who's consistently in the kitchen is the woman in Kakariko Village from Ocarina of Time. I don't know if she actually has a name, but she's in the house where you find Talon sleeping after Ingo takes over the ranch. She's cooking every time I go in there. I think if you cook that much, you can't help but get good at it after a while. But the lady from Ocarina of Time that I think would make the best Christmas dinner is Malin. There is nothing like good old-fashioned home-style ranch cooking. She's the lady of the house, as there appears to be no mom around, and I doubt Talon's been cooking all those years, but with the size of his belly, I think he's been pretty well fed. I don't know how roast cuckoo tastes, but I'd be willing to give it a try with Malon cooking. Another person I found cooking in the land of Hyrule is Yeddo, on top of Snow Peak Mountain, cooking up some soup for his sick wife, if you want to call it <laughs> sick. <laughs> However, after some careful consideration, I think that he may not be the best to sit down with for a meal. He needed Link's help a little too much for me to trust his own cooking. But if you like a little bit of risk in your Christmas, I was thinking about the potion shop owners and the fishermen and women throughout all of Link's adventures. Though it might not be traditional Christmas dinner, fish and potions sounds like a good time. These individuals are used to cooking up a storm, so to speak. (laughs) And high up in the land of Skyloft, there are more consistent cookers. Piper, the lady who works the restaurant of the bazaar, she's focused on spices and flavor. I'd love to have a taste of her Christmas feast. Attention to detail is what makes the dinner, you know. 
Henya, too. She makes breakfast and lunch for all the knights and students in the Knight Academy. Could you imagine feeding that many hungry guys every day? I bet she would be well practiced at making food and in large quantity. She's got the benefit of practice and that grandma magic. One more person in Skyloft who has a knack for food is Dovos. He loves food and prides himself on the gourmet. Now, I'm not sure if he's much of a cook himself, but I bet if you wanted to find the best cook in Skyloft, all you'd have to do is follow him. He's usually sitting in the restaurant of the bazaar, so I'd say that gives Piper even more points for best chef. However, there is one that stands above the rest. A man that has the training of a true chef. A man who knows what it's like to be considered food himself. He is... Chef Bear from Link's Awakening. A chef so intent on having his meals perfect, he cannot finish cooking his meal until he has the exact ingredients for his dish. I would love to have Christmas dinner made by a real chef. Could you imagine the flavors? But perhaps it's best to have a combination. Get all of these characters in a kitchen, and you could have the most mouth-watering meal of your life. Or they might kill each other first. And then you'd have no Christmas dinner at all, and that would be really sad. Anyway, be sure to tell me who you think is the best cook in the Legend of Zelda series. I'm sure there's some that I haven't thought of, or maybe you totally agree with somebody that I said. But before I go, I think it's also worth a note to mention who the worst cooks would be. So, in the interest of time, I'll give you my top three. Number three is Fledge. Though he has a lot of heart, I wouldn't trust him to be in the kitchen. He has enough trouble with other things to trust his cooking. Number two, <laughs> Ganondorf. Speaking of trust, would you eat anything Ganon tried to feed you? <laughs> I think those mashed potatoes taste a little funny. But the worst cook in all the Zelda series is by far... Drumroll, please. The Gorons. Rocks for Christmas! Just like every other day. Yum. I'd love to see you sit through one of their feasts. But that's all the time we have. I'm going to go make a snack. I don't know about you, but uh, I'm feeling a little hungry now. <laughs> so, Merry Christmas and Happy Eating! Next, we have Athenian, and she is going to talk to us about... Hylian religious beliefs. So this is the more serious side of Christmas. So, uh, how some of us uh, celebrate Christmas here and whatnot, and some of us believe in other things, which is totally cool. Maybe that's the way it is in Hyrule as well. Athenian's got a theory for us. Greetings, esteemed members of Zelda Dungeon. I'm Athenian 200, and I'm here to talk to you today about my take on Hylian religious beliefs. First, let me tell you about my own background. 
I was raised by my Protestant mom who believed in God but didn't go to church because she liked to sleep in on Sunday. We observed all the holidays like Christmas and Easter. By the time I was 14, however, I was beginning to have doubts about God. After all, I had been upset when I found out that Santa Claus was not real and some of the information in the Bible seemed untrue to me. However, I have never been a total atheist. I am an agnostic, which means I don't claim to know if there's a God or what the nature of that God is, if it exists. I just didn't like the certainty so many people showed towards something that had just been handed down to them by tradition without even questioning it. I became agnostic because I question everything and am certain of very little. One of the most interesting things about being agnostic is that I've been able to sympathize with Christians of various denominations, Islamic groups, Buddhists, atheists, Hindus, and more. I have strived for myself in their shoes and look at things from their perspective and assimilate what's good while avoiding the bad. With that in mind, here is my take on how religion would be a factor in highly in society. One of the most critical factors in our world is belief, whether one even believes in the existence of a god or gods. This would rarely if ever be a factor in Hyrule because everyone has seen magic and the influence of the gods. It's much more obvious in that world there are spells associated with the goddesses, powerful forms of magic that can only be invoked by songs, uh, temples that directly affect the well-being and fate of the world, and so many other things that really don't make sense without such beings having existed. However, there is still the question of whether everyone worships the gods, and I would say the answer to that question is no. I'm sure some people do not choose to worship the gods in spite of their existing and concern themselves with their own well-being or perhaps use powers granted by some dark spirit as Ganondorf, Koyume, and Kotaki did. I know that the three of them all have dark powers of sorcery they commanded long before Ganondorf ever obtained the Triforce of Power. I do not think that these powers have in much, if anything, to do with the three goddesses and seem to be related to dark spirits or strange rituals that do not rely on divine magic directly. The magic left in the world by the goddesses is largely like the Triforce, uh, available to those who learn how to use it, regardless of their intentions. Those would be one extreme end of the Hylian religious spectrum. On the other end, you have the royal family and Hylians that tend to worship all of the three goddesses. They likely have religious festivals and such that, that they observe as we do. Most religions do ascribe significance to the passage of the seasons and harvest time. This is true whether you look at Judeo-Christian religions, pre-Christian Roman religions, Greek religions, or Norse religions. It's almost certain that even some Hylians would be a little less pious than others and care less about these days. Some people don't care about politics despite being affected by them in the long run. People such as this have always been a part of society, but almost all of the Hylians at least believe the three goddesses exist. Finally, we have those in the middle, the Gorons, Zora, Gerudo, and Kokiri. I'll start with the Gorons. I'm unsure what they worship or if they're even aware of the goddesses. I suspect they favor Din, if anything, due to their raw strength and association with fire. They even live on Death Mountain, which is a very fiery place associated with death and hence Din herself. But mostly I hear them praising their chiefs and ancestors. They may even think of those spirits as gods in their own right. Since Gorons have a fairly simple society, I would picture their religion being equally simple. Next we have the Gerudo. I believe that this is the true race of Din. The Gerudo respects strength, the virtue of Din. After all, she is the goddess of power. They all have red hair, 
The women are warriors rather than servants. They have a sand goddess in the desert, which may represent Den. However, some believe to believe that the sand goddess is simply a deity that the Gerudo have invented or a protective spirit, and that they don't really worship any of the three goddesses. I personally believe that the goddess of the sand is an alternate title for Den, however. The Zora and Kokiri have both have a fairly similar story. They seem to worship their guardian spirits, Jabu Jabu and the Deku Tree, respectively. It is quite obvious that, their deity, that these deities are linked to their associated gods, Nehru and Farora. The Zora are a water-dwelling people who seem serene, wise, and not very warlike at all. The Kokiri are eternally youthful sprites who dwell in the forest, the font of life itself. I am not sure how much these races know about their gods. The Deku Tree knew all about them, but I don't know if he told the Kokiri about them. The Zora may have had enough contact with the Hylians to know what they knew. Regardless of this, I do think it's likely they only worship one of the three goddesses if they directly worship at all. It could be like a, cat, like a variation on the Catholic tendency to pray to a priest rather than God or Jesus directly, except they pray to their guardian spirit. One piece of evidence for this is that the Kokiri forest became, quickly became infested with monsters while Zora's domain froze over completely. Their lands did seem to become overrun after their guardian spirits were gone, more quickly than for the Hylians of, of Kakarika or the Gerudo of the desert, who did not seem to rely on guardian spirits. This could imply that they didn't know how to obtain the protection or favor of the gods directly. While the Hylian capital was sacked by Ganondorf, most of the people lived and were able to protect the peace of Kakariko for seven years. I did not see a single surviving soldier in Kakariko. I suspect the entire army was either killed or disbanded after the fall of Hyrule Castle. I think that their prayers and rituals may have helped protect their town against Ganondorf for those seven years while the Hero of Time slept. Before concluding, I'd like to take this opportunity to share my opinions on the goddesses themselves. I would contrast them with the gods of our world by saying that they did not pres prescribe morality, but simply allowed the people to choose between good and evil, with the evil ones creating their own consequences by the very nature of their actions and the disgust of the people whom they were bringing to harm. I do, however, question the wisdom of leaving the Triforce in the world for anyone to find. Perhaps it has the potential to teach powerful lessons about why evil is destructive, but it seems to be an alarmingly detached way to do so. I question whether the goddesses actually care about their subjects, or whether they merely want their power respected. That has been a factor in our world with many gods over the course of time, and some have evolved in their stance towards humanity within thousand-year time frames. In summary, we have the devout Hylians with the most knowledge of the world's origin, the tribal people with mere legends and fragments of knowledge, and those who know of the goddesses but choose not to worship them. I'm sure that all of the races have their own unique rituals and holidays, but there may be a few that are shared, as is the case with most religions in our world that have common origin. This concludes my segment. Thank you all for listening. Thank you very much, Athenian, for your ideas. That was a very uh, thorough look at the way religion can be different for people and how that affects their holiday traditions. To be honest, I never really thought about religion in Hyrule, so this was really, really interesting topic for me. So, Din and I were talking. 
we've been doing a lot of thinking. Where would you go to get the best Christmas trees in the world of The Legend of Zelda? This includes everywhere Link has been. Hyrule, Holodrum, Sabrosa. Everywhere. So what we did is we sent Anime Bassoon out to figure that out for us. Hey there everyone, this is Anime Bassoon, and you're listening to ABC, or Anime Bassoon's Contribution. Now, since it is around the Christmas time, I thought of a really nice way to just talk about it, and just be happy about it. So, a lot of Christmassy things is, you know, give presents, you know, go caroling, play in the snow, but one we kind of just do, and just not really pay attention to sometimes, is Christmas trees. So, what I'm talking going to talk about is the high the legend is all the way of Christmas trees. Now, for me to logically think of the instance of a tree-like object or other object to be decorated like a Christmas tree in the Legend of Zelda series doesn't really spring much to mind. I can only think of 3 to 4 at max. Otherwise, everything else just seems doesn't seem to have the right feel to have a Christmas tree in themselves. So, I'll get to those as we go, but let's start off with each I'm going so I'm going to go through each race and tell you my thoughts on if they about their Christmas tree or Christmas tree like item or what they do when they don't have a Christmas tree. And I'm going to go pretty fast, so try and keep up. So, let's start off with the easiest the Kokiri slash Kikwis. In my opinion, they just go to the forest and the Kokiri would decorate the Great Deku Tree and the Kikwis would decorate the Great Tree and they'd be like, yay, it's Christmas time in the forest and hooray. You know, forest trees, you know, basic idea of what would be a Christmas thing, you know? Um, my next group of races is the Zora slash Perella. Now, they have a Christmas tree-like object because they live underwater most of the time, so you wouldn't really see them, you know, going into the woods, getting a tree to put it in with them. No, what I think the Zora and um, Perella do, they decorate coral that they have around them, you know, and they exchange bunches of coral with each other, you know. They make beautiful coral arrangements from around them, and they go, they go, yay, this is our Christmas tree-like item. Um... <laughs> The next race would be the Gorons, and they're the first instance of me thinking that they don't have a tree at all. They're rock people. They like rocks. They like lava. Trees and lava don't mix well. Last I checked, they made, that made fire, so what I think is they just get a giant rock from wherever they want, and they just plunk it down in the middle of the city area, and they just call that their holiday rock, and, you know, they kind of, they can decorate it if they want. They put carvings on it, but... It's a holiday rock, so they're so it's kind of like a time just to be brothers with each other in the Goron race. And then next we'll go to the Gerudo, and they have cactuses in the desert, so they decorate cacti for their holiday thing. And because since there's no snow, you go you gotta make it Christmassy somehow. So you know they just put Santa Claus hats on the cacti, you know, make it seem like oh it's cold even though there isn't any snow or anything there, so that's kind of a nice thing I think they do. And then we get to the <laughs> biggest group of all, the Hylians, the Termanians, and humans in general. 
they're just the normal types of people where they go, let's go into the forest and whack, 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 whack timber and smash. They have their Christmas tree. They bring it back to their house and they decorate it and they go, yay, it's Christmas time. And they be together with family and friends and they just enjoy the holiday spirit with each other. Because, you know, that's mainly what Christmas is about, in my opinion. So that's mainly what all the human races do in the Zelda universe. Then we'll go over to the Ruto, where they don't have a tree. They get a day off from delivering all the mail all over the Great Sea. And they just be by the Great Valu, and they just celebrate being together on their day off of no mail. <laughs> um, then we'll go to the Twilight, and they they be by their two souls, you know, the two souls that gave Link the Master Sword and Twilight Princess energy to cut through the twilight and everything. They celebrate it around those because, you know, that's the center of the twilight realm in essence, you know. That's their being. And then, so you can't really do much with that. And you just gotta do what you can because you're in this other realm and there's no real trees that I saw in Twilight Princess, but there could be. So don't quote me on everything. And then we'll go to the Minish, from the Minish camp. And they themselves, they live in a forest, so they could decorate a tree like the Kokiri, but since they're small, they don't, I don't think they do that. They could sell, decorate a bush or something, or the small plants they have in their house. Well, their shoe house, that is. <laughs> um, I think they combine kinstones during the Christmas season, and they make Christmas wishes come true, you know. You know they combine them in, and poof! Some happy person's life is just better for their Christmas time. You know, poor old John in the castle town couldn't afford a Christmas tree for, or have time to go get one, and poof, the kinstone's put together, and he's like, I guess what, there's a tree right here I can use. Cool. And so, you know, they do kind of like something like that. And then we'll go on to the monsters of Hyrule and everywhere else, because, you know, no one really gives the monsters an idea of what to do. So what I'm going to give them is no tree, though, because... Well, they're monsters. They may have intelligent thoughts sometime, but they're kind of just the mindless goons of Ganon and everyone. So I say they just have a big feast, you know, celebrating being around each other and everything, you know. But they're grunting and they're... Rawr, rawr, rawr. Yeah, let's have Christmas feast. If they celebrate Christmas, that is. So with that, that's mainly my big thoughts about the entire races of... Hyrule and the Legend of Zelda on what they do for their Christmas trees or if they don't have a Christmas tree, what they do in replace of that. So, with that, this is Anime Bassoon, and I'll hear you later. Thank you very much, Anime Bassoon, for your detailed look at Christmas trees and replacements for Christmas trees. I need to find me a Christmas tree. I know, I know, I'm like, at the edge of time, but I need to find one. Anyone have one for me? <laughs> Hello? Anyone? Sounds like he tried to buy one from the Lost Woods. Maybe. <laughs> Alright everybody, I hope you guys have been enjoying our Christmas-themed podcast so far. Now, I've got a little bit of a treat for you. It took a little bit of convincing, but uh, I've got Din is going to sing a little Christmas carol for you. And then I think we're going to try to sucker a bunch of people from uh, Zelda Dungeon in general to sing with us too. I'll go round them up. Okay, so uh, here's Din, 
And oh. here's her song. Oh, I guess I have to sing first. Then I'll go round them up. Yeah, so what what song are you going to do? Uh, well, it's a Zelda uh, Christmas Carol. Of course it's a Zelda Christmas Carol. So, the Christmas Carol is called Away in the Forest. Alright, and here we go. Together now! Zelda got run over by a pony Walking home from Lama Christmas Eve You can say there's no such thing as karma But as her Lincoln Mellon may believe She'd been drinking too much potion And we begged her not to go but she forgot the wisdom triforce, so she staggered out the door into the snow. When they found her Christmas morning, at the scene of the attack, there were her prints on her forehead, and incriminating horses on her back. Zelda got run over by a pony. Walking home from long, long Christmas Eve You can say there's no such thing as karma But as for Lincoln, how long they believe Now we're all so proud of Link He's been taking this so well See him in there watching sword fights Drinking milk and playing cards with Ganondorf 
It's not Christmas without Zelda. All the kingdoms dressed in black. And we just can't help but wonder. Should we open up her gifts or send them back? Send them back. Zelda got run over by a pona. Walking home from long, long Christmas Eve. You can say there's no such thing as karma. But as for Lincoln, now long they believe. Now the cuckoo's on the table. And the fresh hot pumpkin soup. And the blue and silver rupees. That would just have matched the gems in Zelda's crown. I've won all of Kakariko. Better watch out for yourselves. They should never let a horse loose, says the man who works the ranch and tends the cows. Zelda got run over by a pona, walking home from long on Christmas Eve. You can say there's no such thing as karma, but as for Lincoln, Malon, they believe. Zelda got run over by a pona, Walking home from long on Christmas Eve You can say there's no such thing as karma But that's for Lincoln Mellon they believe Okay everybody, you know what? I think it's time for Din and I to go enjoy the rest of the party, and we're going to leave you with this thought. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, we hope you have a great new year, and look for our podcast at the end of January. Thank you so much for tuning in, we hope you all have a great uh, holiday season, and uh, I was going to say Merry Christmas, but I guess I said that already. And I beat you. (laughs) So... Uh, enjoy your holidays. This was Din. And this was Rish. And this was the Christmas Z Talk, the Zelda Dungeon Podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>